to dive right into this message and uh, really help you guys out. There were some cool, uh, unique, I should say, circumstances that happened this week <clears throat> that opened the, the door for me to teach uh, today, this morning. And there were some really unique um, things that kind of developed for this thought to be put on my heart to speak to you today. And I mean this when I say, I think, I think someone here is specifically meant to receive what I'm going to say. I think something incredible is going to happen in your life. Um, I think someone is going to break free today through this. So I'm going to dive right in this. This is our series called Spark. And uh, I was looking at that title and kind of the subtitle, When Faith Comes Alive. And I was, you know, I was just praying to God, like, what do you want me to say? Who's going to be there? What's going to happen? And uh, that word alive kept jumping out at me, like alive. Um, I am not only on way too much allergy medicine and caffeine right now, but I, 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 f- <laughs> I firmly believe, like, I want to live until I die. Like, I want to live. You know what I'm saying? And that's not easy. That's not easy. And so I'm, I'm walking with this and praying through this, and it was a no-brainer that all of us are looking to feel alive, yeah? I mean, we just want it. And if you look at what's going on in our city, I mean, many of you moved to San Francisco with the hopes that something would develop and you would feel life. You would feel alive. Um, from pride to this BBC article I read last night. I had too much time on my hands, obviously. Um, and it was really interesting on death, of all things, which I typically don't dive into that stuff. But it was how reflecting on, on death can enhance life now. And then I started reading this article for you millennials in the house, trying to help you guys out here. Uh, by the way, um, when I, as, as I'm helping with young adults here, it's because I'm only 28 years old. <laughs> that, that was good at first. No one laughed, but then uh, I think you caught on there. Uh, but I was even reading this article um, about millennials, and, and uh, there's this new thing that they've dubbed a quarter-life crisis. Now, we know about the midlife. I, I'm, I'm in it, kind of. I'm doing good. Don't worry. Um, I will be 40 August 29th. Come on. Come on. I will pay shipping on all gifts you want to give me. But there's a quarter-life crisis as well, and this is interesting, um, which is to say when you go through college and then you get married and then you get the house or whatever it is, what you find out is it didn't do what you thought it would do, and then there's kind of a new journey that starts. But this is kind of uh, the journey of life. Um, we're trying to feel alive, and I guess we could ask, like, what does that even look like? That's very subjective stuff. And so uh, I was teasing this out. I was walking with this uh, thought this week, and I'm not kidding. If you ever want to hang out with my wife and I, we do great thinking in DSW. We literally walk through the aisles. We do not ever buy anything. And I think the people know us by now. We just kind of contemplate and walk and talk. And these like deep things. Like, shoes inspire us. I don't know what it is. Um, but but I, I was walking through DSW, not purchasing anything with my wife. And I was thinking about, what does it look like to be alive? And the words of Jesus hit me that we are supposed to be more like children. And say, yeah, OK, I got you right there. You're like, uh-huh. You know where I'm going with this. Um, and the cool thing is, Jesus says, don't be like children when it comes to good and evil. Like, know what's going on around you. But be like children in your freedom. Be wise, but, but be free. 
And I'm walking through DSW, and there's this little girl. She's the cutest thing. I don't know. Maybe she's five or six or seven or I don't know. Uh, I couldn't tell, and here's why. She had the coolest, most expensive pumps on. And they were like 18 sizes too big. She's got her mom's sunglasses on. And the background music is jamming, like an old Britney Spears song or something. And she's in front of one of the mirrors, just like, she's dancing with this big old grin. She's not aware of anybody around her. And I'm like walking, I'm like, man, that, that, I think, like, that's kind of what it's supposed to look like without the pumps or something. I don't know. Like, she's so alive. She's so alive. And maybe that's a little adolescent and, and all of that, but we really need to figure this out because there is a beautiful life for us. And I want to ask you this question. How would you fill in the blank? How would you fill in this blank? If I just had, I would feel alive. I just fill it in. It's okay. We're all human. We're a beautiful mess, aren't we? If I just had, like I would feel alive. Maybe it's a degree. Maybe it's a relationship. Um, maybe, it's, maybe it's location. <laughs> we just have lower rent, right, <laughs> in this awesome city of ours. <laughs> but what is it for you? Because I've got my 10, right? If I just had that thing, I, I would feel alive. Some of you who studied psychology or social science or, or philosophy or whatever will recognize the name Maslow, and he's got that uh, famed hierarchy of things that if you get, you'll feel alive. And, and I think it's right uh, in so many ways. And it kind of starts with safety and shelter and food as kind of the base level things to feel alive. And then it's quality relationships. And then it's goal-oriented drives of accomplishing things and all of that. And so, you know, you could wrestle with that and say, well, maybe that's what it's about. And uh, one more article that hit me as I was thinking about that, like maybe if we just get this, 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 and this, Nothing wrong with those things. Nothing wrong with those things. We'll feel alive. And then I read this amazing, I listened to this amazing uh, interview with Jim Carrey. Remember the funny man, Jim Carrey? He, he, there is some intense stuff going on with him. Um, I would even encourage you, I think, to listen to it. Like something's breaking through in a really unique way. But this man has had everything according to him. You know, the wife was a, a model. Um, all the money one person could ever contain within a life. Um, he, he could go anywhere in the world and be recognized. He is famous. He's, he's got the life. And he's kind of disappeared because he's on a new journey. And here's what he said in this interview. And I, I had to hit pause and write it down. He goes, that you can still be unhappy is a shock when you accomplished everything you ever dreamed of and more. And that kind of messes with our head. Like, he was shocked because he was told, like, this trajectory, if I just get this, 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 then I'll finally feel life. I'll feel alive if I can have these things. And he says, like, I was shocked once I was able to grasp it all because I, I stood on the mountaintop and went, okay, okay, here it comes. I'm ready to feel life. Okay. And, like, nothing came. And he's devoted his life to getting these things. Not, these things are, I don't want to speak for him, but material things and relationships and, and a house, they're not wrong. But there's something else going on in the human. I, I want to I lay this out, and if, if you're wrestling with this, give me a, a chance to work this out. But as I've been journeying 
through this. And I've been looking at men like Jim Carrey. And I've been looking at little kids dancing in DSW. And I've been looking at my own life. And when I feel most alive, I believe that feeling alive is a spiritual issue. And the reason we struggle with it, with all honesty, as just humans on this journey, is because I believe so often we're trying to experience feeling alive by using the physical world. But we're more than physical. We're more than vocation. We're more than vacation. We're more than houses, and we're more than money, and we're more than relationships, and we're more than sex and, and exciting parties and friendships. Those are all gifts of God. Those are all good things. But there's something else operating inside of us. And if you think about it this way, and this is not to create guilt, it's to open your eyes into freedom. If I was to ask myself, like, how, how much time did I spend on my physical life this week? It was a pretty good amount. Nothing wrong with that. But how much time did I spend focusing on my soul? And if I still don't feel alive, maybe that's an arrow pointing to where the leak is. Maybe, maybe my soul is not being dealt with at the level it needs to so I can really feel alive. Maybe we can come into contact with God in such a way, or maybe Lewis is right, C.S. Lewis. Of course he's right, the wardrobe thing. <laughs> maybe he's right in, in saying, like if, if, we, if we can't find pleasure in life at the level we're looking for on this earth, maybe it's because we're made for something else. Maybe there's more. And so I begin to search the scriptures, and without a doubt, this amazing story in John 4, if you have a Bible, John 4 hit me. And uh, this is the most real, most honest, most authentic, most us story in the Bible. And I, want, I don't want you to be afraid to see yourself in this narrative. Um, we're here to find hope. We're here to move forward. No sweat. But as I, as I work this story out, I want you to allow yourself to enter into that story because this woman that we're going to meet in just a minute, she's in all of us. But the end of the story is so beautiful and so powerful. Um, and, the, and, the, and the thing that she experiences at the end is the little girl in the shoe store. She becomes that girl, you know, again, minus all the, the crazy stuff. Like her, her soul begins to regenerate. She comes to life. So if you're here and you're just like, okay, my life is good and I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm getting these things and I'm moving up in the ladder and, 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 and my family's expanding, but I'm still empty. Man, this is for you. I want you to have a breakthrough. I want you to refocus things today just for a moment and enter into a new place and start looking at the soul and how it connects to God and allow God to bring new life into your soul. All right? Is that a deal? All right, let's do it. John chapter 4, and let me lay out the scene. And uh, I got a lot of scripture that I'm going to put up. If you don't have a Bible, I'll do my best to make this as simple as possible. It's a beautiful story and uh, so very human. And there are women and men uh, who are living this out, and there are wells everywhere in our city where we're trying to find life. So John chapter 4, here's the deal. Jesus, uh, he is deep in his ministry. He's, he's teaching the ways of God everywhere. Um, he's weaving through religion and teaching a new way to find God that's been forgotten um, through faith. It's a beautiful, liberating thing that he's teaching. And all these people are coming to him. It's a fantastic moment. And uh, so he's going to keep traveling, you guys. And so he's got to go from this region. If you, if you think of a map, he's got to go up in the map just a little bit. And the problem is 
To get to this city, this area he wants to get to, there's this city called Sychar. That's a cool name. Sychar. You should name your kid that, Sychar. That's cool. That's good. I like that. But he's got to go through Sychar. Now, the problem with Sychar, and boy, is the Bible ever transparent, is that they're kind of half Jew, half non-Jew people living there. And Jewish people would not go through that area. They would rather go all the way around, which is a beast of a journey. Rather than going through, as a matter of fact, they thought that if you just touched one of these Sycharian, just made that up, Sycharian people's, like a utensil, you would be unclean. So Jesus has to get through this area somehow. And so what he does is he sends his, his crew off. He goes, like, go find some food, guys. I got, I got to deal with something. I'm not going around the city. I'm going straight into the city. And that's what I love about Jesus. And he is not afraid to challenge culture. He's not, he is not afraid to challenge racism and bigotry and break those walls down and bring healing. And so he dives right into Sychar, and he's not just going there to like blow the place up with you know, some beastly like Billy Graham sermon. He's going there for one dear person. There's, one, there's a lady there, you guys. There's a lady there he wants. There's a lady there who's hurt. She's busted. She's broken. The world's been hard on her. She's tried to find life. She's tried to feel alive, and she's, she's tried relationships and religion. I'll break this out in just a minute. And she's even looked to race and all these different things to feel to, to truly feel alive, and she's coming up empty, and Jesus has this woman on his heart. And I'm serious when I say this, because I have been the woman at the well. I've been this lady in my life. If you're this, if you're this person, if you're struggling to find life, and you've tried all these things, man, let God speak to you this morning. Jesus Christ wants to meet you and speak to you and heal you and bless you and love you and make you feel alive. Like he doesn't see the person who's broken and say, well, clean it up and I'll come to you. He says, I want to meet you right at the well where you're broken. I want to talk to you with love and I want to bring you into a new place, a new life. So that's where we find ourselves in John chapter 4, verse 6. You guys tracking with me? Okay. John chapter 4, look at, uh, look at verse 6. We'll just dive right into this guy. Jacob's well was there. That's, that's our city. That's Sychar. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey. He's walked 20 miles. Now, I was up in Sacramento yesterday. It was like 105. And I was telling our first service, like, I was, I was with some friends, and I'm like, why are you guys living here? What are you doing? <laughs> Go south. And then I, like, literally caught myself, and I'm like, no way. We don't have the parking. You have to stay here. <laughs> stay out of our city, you know. But just imagine that type of heat, like last summer. Remember how hot it was? Imagine that intense, intense heat. And Jesus, while he's the son of God, while he's God, he's robed himself in a human body, so he's limited. He gets very tired on this 20-mile journey. I walked from my car to their porch, and I was exhausted looking for a well. So the Bible says he was wearied from his journey, and he was sitting beside the well. Now, I'm waiting for Jesus like, okay, you're tired. The sun is beating down on you. You're exhausted. It's noon. It's peak hot weather time of the day. Go take care of yourself. It says it was about the sixth hour. That's noon. The sun is beating down. And he's not thinking about himself. He's thinking about this one person. I love this. 
And what divine timing in verse 7, a woman from Samaria, a woman from Samaria. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. There's so many problems with that sentence, guys. That is loaded with problems. One, she's alone. Women did not go to the well alone, apparently, according to history. They, they went together. It's a dangerous world, and uh, women did not have the rights that uh, they should have had. And so they would travel kind of in, in a pact, and, and it was kind of a social thing as well, apparently, and she's alone. The other thing they didn't do is they didn't go get water at the hottest time of the day. You guys ever remember like drinking out of the hose in summer when it was like super hot and the water's hot? Like this is all wrong and that's exactly the point. Jesus is like, there's something wrong here. You're alone. You're coming out when no one will see you. You're hiding. You're hiding. And when Jesus says to her, give me a drink, he is not asking for a drink contrary to what we just read. He is forgetting about himself. He is setting up a conversation to heal her. He is literally saying, I am going to thirst and sacrifice and talk to you so you can never thirst again and, and have life. And so he says, hey, hey, can I have a drink of water? Look at verse 9. Now, I love this girl. <clears throat> I feel like... like some of my cousins are, are like this girl or something. I just love, I love the edge to her. It's awesome. In verse 9, the Samaritan woman, that's our girl, said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Here's what she just said. This, this shows you she has a chip on her shoulder and the culture has wore her down. She's tired of cultural norms and rules. They, they're killing her. Cultural pressures. And here's what she goes, she goes like this. Okay, wait a minute. I'm not supposed to speak to you. It's against our law. It's against our tradition. You're a rabbi. You're a man. I have no rights. I am not supposed to be speaking to you. Why are we talking? <laughs> you got to love this girl. In other words, I'm sick and tired of my culture. It's, it's eating me up. I, I need something else is what she's saying. Game on. Jesus is like, yeah, that's the convo we're about to have. So here's Jesus' beautiful response. He goes, okay, okay, listen. Very abruptly, he goes, I know you're dying inside. But take it easy. I'm not against you. If you knew what you were really longing for and who I am, you would be asking much different questions. Look at verse 10. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Like if you knew what I could supply, if you knew the things that I, I can give a human life, if you knew the wisdom I have to truly tell you where you're coming up empty with that, that God-sized hole in your heart, like we would be having a different conversation. Like, I have something you really need. And it's so cool because she totally misses it. He's like, I got water. I got, I got different water, and it will blow your mind. It will, it will bring you alive. And she goes, show me where it is. <laughs> well, I didn't know there was another well around here. Let's go. 
look, if I don't got to go out here like an outcast anymore, I'm cool with that. Give me another thing. Give me another place to find life. Literally, well, look, if you know of another place I can get this water, if I can get out of this situation, show me. And, and, and guys, I just want to say this. I want, let me just say it about me. What, what often happens is when I'm feeling kind of that deadness inside, I don't feel alive, I don't feel energized about life and, and full of faith and hope and adventurous and all of that. And there are seasons when we go on those ruts. It's, it's part of the human journey. But I often look to another physical thing to kind of reamp me. Are you with me? Like, let me just try a new thing. And that's what Jesus is telling this lady, like, we're not going there. That's not what I'm talking about. Look at verse 11. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with. You've got no bucket. So there's no, like, new water down in this well. And that well's deep. You're certainly not going to climb down. So where's this water? Let's get moving. I'm sick and tired of coming out here. And Jesus, so gentle and so loving, you guys. It's amazing how, how he moves with people, how he moved with me. He just looks at her with eyes of love and he goes, I'm not talking about another physical thing. Lady, I love you and I need you to know that your thirst is coming from your soul. Your soul. Look at verse 13. Jesus said to her, everybody who drinks of this water, everybody who tries to find life in physical things will be thirsty again. Every time you try to satisfy soul thirst with another physical thing, you're going to stay thirsty. You're going to keep trying new things. And then he just lays it out, you guys. I just want to lay it out to you to encourage you. Jesus says, I have something spiritual. It's not only going to make you feel alive, but it's so good, it's going to overwhelm you. Like, it'll never run dry. John, John 4, 14, but whoever drinks of the water that, that I will give him will never be thirsty again. Like, like, I've got something, and man, when you taste that thing, you're not going to be okay. You're going to be blown away. The water that I will give him will become a spring of water welling up into eternal life. It's not a bucket of water. It's a living well that's bubbling and pouring and it brings not life, not satisfaction alone. It brings something eternal. It's forever life. Man, this lady's sitting there trying to process this whole thing like, this is quite the afternoon. And almost seeing her overwhelmed and confused, he goes like this, let me prove, let me just prove to you gently that outward things can't make your soul feel alive. Your soul needs something else. It needs God. Remember all the relationships you tried? Remember all the men that you tried? Remember the marriages? Nothing wrong with marriage. Remember you tried to find life in your soul through these relationships? One didn't work, and so you moved to the next one, and that didn't work, and you moved to the next. He's not saying this to hurt her. And if you're like me, we've done that. We have just leaped from one thing to another. Jesus isn't condemning us. He's just trying to open her eyes and our eyes that, look, I understand it's hard down there, but I need you to understand it doesn't work. Though, look, relationships are good for their own thing. They're beautiful, they're gifts of God, but the soul needs something else. Look at John chapter 4, verses 16, 17, and 18. Jesus said to her, go call your husband. Let me prove to you that 
These physical things can't quench this soul thirst. Go, go call your husband and come here. And man, that had to pierce her heart because she knows she's got baggage. The woman answered him, uh, I, I don't have a husband. Jesus said to her, well, you're right about that. You've had five husbands. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> and then he goes like this. I get, I get tight when I read this. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, that's awkward. And he's like, we need to go a little deeper in the heart. We need, to, we need to start going into those cracks, those hidden things. And then he goes, and the one you now have, he's married. He's not your husband. Yeah, what you said is true. You don't have a husband. You have a relationship that's not great right now. And I'm just telling you this so you can stop trying to fill your soul with these things and look to why you were made, look to me. Now, the edge comes back with our girl. She goes, <laughs> I mean, what would you say right there? I would bounce. And I tried. I tried for 10 years to walk away from Jesus in this conversation he had with me baseball and all these different things I was using to try to find life. But she, she, she gets sharp. I mean, there's an interest happening in verse 19, and she basically goes, why do you know this about me? Yeah. Why in the world do you know this about me? And then she just straight up pulls a Tupac, right? She goes like this. Hey, look, dude. She just gets the edge back, and she goes, only God can judge me. Like, don't Google that. Let's just leave it alone, okay? Just trust me on that. Look at verse 19. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. <laughs> That's a very stoic way of saying, what is going on? You are a religious prophet. And then in 25, she kind of starts getting agitated. The woman said to him, Look, I, I know that Messiah is coming. I know God is coming back to the earth. Um, he who is called Christ when he comes, he will tell us all things. When God comes, this is between me and God. Don't, don't get in here. Don't, don't, don't toy with this. This is my business. And Jesus just looks at her with the most beautiful eyes, eyes of love, and he goes like this. I'm God. Drop the mic. And he just says, with love and grace, not judgment, you were made by me. And only I can make you feel alive. Verse 26, Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Let me just spend a few minutes talking to you guys. I just want to be real. I'm this lady so many times. I just forget. I forget that I'm soul. I forget I'm more than physical. And I try to find life in amazing, great things. My wife, I try to quench my soul thirst with my wife and, and kids and fun and adventure and vocation and drive and ambition. I mean, she's in all of us. And so often, like after a while, I'm just like, man, I'm so dry. I'm so dry. Like what's happened to my, my adventurous like pursuits and joy? And it's like in the hustle of life, and God understands, we so often forget 
We're more, guys. We're more than just work. We're more than ambition. We're more than passion. We're more than sex. We're more than trips. They're all good gifts of grace. And it's so cool. Jesus is so amazing. I almost said Jesus is so cool. Can I say that? (laughs) He's pretty cool. But he's so amazing that he just patiently waits for us to walk up to those wells, like just like in those moments. Maybe you're here this morning, you're, you're in this moment where you're just like, ugh, with life. Like, I'm just in a shade of gray. And I can't snap out of this. But I, I had fire once. I had passion once. And Jesus is just patiently waiting to have this convo with you and saying, look, I understand. Let's put the buckets down. They got holes in them. They can't hold the water. You come back to me. You drink of me. You worship me. You talk to me. You be with me. You be with God's people and you praise me and sing and dance and and rejoice in me. And what, what our souls are thirsty for is God. And if I break that down, guys, check this out. Here's what our souls need. We need to feel loved. Amen? We need to feel accepted. And we need to feel truly loved by God constantly for our soul to awaken to life. That's what was lost. That's what sin has done. And we still carry the ache. And that's what salvation is all about, finding life in Christ, coming to him in faith. And for the believer, this is where our soul continues to feel alive. When we continually experience his love, his acceptance, the fact that he knows all about us and he loves us the same. And I love what happens to this lady because like, she's sitting there and she's not even arguing anymore. She just drops the bucket. She's, all you hear is the rattle of the bucket in that dry desert day. End of the story, not a chance. She turns around. This is the most awkward thing in the Bible. She just turns around and starts booking. And Jesus is like, okay, well, we will talk later. I'll email you. She's just moving. She's just moving. Because when you feel that love, that acceptance, and that God knows you, all about you, and loves you the same, and the soul comes alive like you don't care about all the other things. And so she, what, she, what she does is she runs back into the very city that she's an outcast because of her relationships with men. And she runs in, and guess what she does? Come meet my new man. What is that? You don't do that. You do that when you know you're loved by God. When you find the real man, the Lord Jesus Christ, all these weights come off of you. Everything kind of starts falling in its own place, man. And everyone was so blown away. Like, man, what is this new joy on this lady? They all went out and they all dropped their buckets. And they all came to Jesus and found life. That's your story. That's your birthright in Christ. So I'm going to give you three quick things. Um, we're going to put them up on the screen. You can take a picture. If we run out of time, I've got to go through these fairly quickly. Take a picture, write them down. Uh, check out the video online if you don't get these. But let me walk you through them very quickly. Here is a, a rhythm we need to be in, guys, to constantly feed our souls and feel alive. Number one, we've got to recognize our thirst for what it is. 
Your body was made to live on water. Your soul was made to live on God. The physical life needs to find life in physical things. The spiritual life has got to find life in spiritual things. That's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ, too. And we've got to remind ourselves. That's, by the way, that's why Christianity is designed to be done in community. We will forget this by Tuesday. But together, we remind ourselves. Number two, no physical thing can sustain the weight of fulfilling our souls and making us feel alive. I did this to my poor wife. Um, I was like, finally, a girl likes me. I'm marrying her. And then I was like, oh, she's going to complete me, Jerry Maguire. <laughs> and she's just a human on her own journey. But I needed her to complete me. But she's, she's just a human like me. And so this weight I had put on her, you know, it's like, be this thing for me. But when I let that go, that physical thing, and I found it in Jesus, in my worship with Jesus, in my relationship with Jesus, I was able to free her and love her correctly. Everything, vocation, everything will work that way. No physical thing can sustain the weights of fulfilling our souls. And number three, and I love this, because this is church. This is what we call church. This is what we call small groups and ministries and friends and lunch after church on Sunday. we got to build regular rhythms and remind ourselves constantly to put down these buckets and drink of God and feel alive in God's love. We've got to hear about his love constantly through great music and great preaching and great fellowship and great friendships in this thing called the church. Man, I'm telling you, you'll be, the, you'll be like that little girl in DSW. In your soul, your soul will dance. So here's what we're going to do. Our ushers are going to come forward in just a minute. We're going to sing an awesome closing song that goes right in tune with this. But I want you to pray with me just for a few moments. Just pray with me. And I want you to drink of God right now in prayer. I want you to hear my voice. He loves you. He knows all about you, just like he knows every, he knew everything about this woman. And he loves us the same. You are fully known, yet fully loved. Let it touch your soul. During the offering, during the last song, stay there. Let him touch your soul. Lord Jesus, we need you. We ask, Lord Jesus, that if there's anybody here, any, any sweet and precious human life who doesn't know you, who, have, who has never tasted this water, this joyous, beautiful water called salvation, that in these last moments they would come to you in faith, that they would just ask you to save them. And for your children, your sons and daughters, just tell us to drop the buckets and to drink of you again to find life so our souls can dance on this beautiful afternoon and we can feel free and alive in your love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <laughs>